0: You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. Grey day here in TW11 this Tuesday, October the 17th. Coming up in today's edition, our old friend, Keir Jurabchan from Ammo Racing. He's back to talk about Frankie Ascot and perhaps... Breeders' Cup aspirations for King of Steel beyond that. That's still on the table. Ascot is very much on the agenda for Mosterdaff, but how much will the weather this week play into calculations? I speak to Angus Gold, racing manager to Shadwell. bin surur, fresh off 500, stakes winners trained and grade one victory in America with Morge, tells me which Breeders' Cup race he is pointing to with his star classic winning filly. Andy Clifton, Corporate Affairs Director for the ROA, is along to talk about the awards, the jumps nominations, and how you can bag yourself a ticket. Plus, Edvige Le Metayer from Aralabouf tells us a heartwarming story of how she has kept her late husband's dream alive. That's all to come later, but first, the weather will be the big story in the lead-up to Champions Day once again at Ascot this week. Will they use the inner jumps track as a contingency? to run the races on the round course and what impact could that have on the likely participants chris stickles is the clerk at ascot and he's been updating me on exactly how this process works
1: now we need a uh, heavy to feature in the going description so if the going becomes soft heavy in places or any uh, softer than that then uh, then we can swap but we that, you, you know the going description however needs to be verified by 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 another party of people including another clerk of the course in uh in, inspector of courses and and and
0: the um, and the chief steward right, so you have to have an independent adjudication to to rule that your judgment that the ground is heavy is correct and when does that need to be done by what's the last moment that you can you can switch well the latest is actually
1: uh uh, on on race day morning itself 7 a.m on race day morning
0: and, and what's the earliest that in the, this year given the forecast what's the earliest you think that you could be telling people that you're switching to the inner track
1: you know it may be possible friday because when, when it becomes heavy in places and if it's only 24 hours out it's highly unlikely it's going to to improve um thursday may be too early for me unfortunately just because uh, you know, we need to see what happens Friday. So so I think Friday, probably the very earliest. But obviously, you know, that all depends on, on, on when we get the rain. Uh,
0: there will be some. And I know this was mooted all the way back in 2016, just reading some old cuttings, who will say, well, you've got fresh ground. Why don't you just use the inner course for Champions Day and be done with it? What's the, what's the logic behind not doing that?
1: You know, the, the, the idea is just to avoid the extremes. Uh, if we can avoid really extreme heavy ground, then, um, then that, that, then that's, that, then that's the, the, the you know the, the, the best possible scenario. Uh, there will be people, however, wanting soft, and soft is, you know, soft ground is 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 what one could quite easily expect to happen, uh, you know, this summer year.
0: And what what would be the point differential normally between the two courses?
1: Not straightforward to be able to have a formula for that. I mean, at the moment, you know, we've obviously been needing to water the inner track because it is, in fact, the hurdles track. Um, and we've been watering the hurdles and chase track because we 've had a pretty dry September, so that has been getting water in order to prepare us for for jumping at the moment and, and uh, the the rail is going up as we speak um so I will be able to do a proper assessment later on this morning uh, i th- My current feelings is a mixture of good and good to soft, so uh you know we are we are a good point you know uh, drier or quicker should i say than than than, than currently we're, we're finding on the outer track. Um, so yeah I mean if that plays out then it's likely that we'll be talking about some soft ground on the inner track after all this rain um, that's quite possible
0: and, and what rain now we're we getting closer and closer what what rain are you realistically expecting
1: 17 to 20 is a, is a kind of predicted update this morning uh saturday does actually look a little better now than, than, than we were thinking yesterday morning so the bulk of this is going to happen you know we're expecting really between wednesday afternoon and uh, and friday late afternoon really uh by, by saturday the current forecast is for is for just cool winds and, and 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 occasional showers on saturday but but you know this this is this is kind of changing daily and, and there are two different models the european model and, and the american model are showing slightly different scenarios so I think as we get closer, it, it might it might become more straightforward, but at the moment, it, it's still quite tricky to read.
0: All right, that was Chris Stickles, who is the clerk of the course at Ascot, uh, explaining the, the nuances of switching from the outer track to the inner track. Uh, David Yates is with me this morning. David, uh, inner track looks favourite at this stage, if the forecast is is correct. Does it really matter?
2: I say just get on with it, really. Um, then everybody knows where they stand. It's not as if we're, we're switching from um, a heavy turf surface to the all-weather or something like that. This happened in 2019, and there was a bit of a controversy at the time. There'll inevitably be a bit of hand-wringing on social media, but, you know, there's always hand-wringing on social media, and I-, I think that this makes perfect sense. What What are the disadvantages?
0: It's a less good track. It's a less wide sweeping bend. There's less room for the horses, and it's further away from the spectators.
2: Yeah, it's further away from the spectators. It's a less good track, and it's, it's tighter, but uh, it's a championship card, and it's going to be run on ground that is more approximating to decent ground rather than uh, a heavy
0: surface, which is going to just be the um, equivalent of hairy bingo. And in recent years, Dave, one trainer has been committed to riding the Ascot Champions Day ground roller coaster more urgently than anybody else, and that is John Gosden. This year, he seeks a first trainer's championship with his son Thady's name also on the licence. And he's 300 grand clear of Aidan O'Brien. He's got some big guns to fire here. None of them really want soft, soft ground, uh, particularly uh, Mustardap, or at least that's the received wisdom, even though he's won a couple of times on soft at Sandown. Uh, Angus Gold is the racing manager to Mustardap's owner, Shaker Hissa, uh, Shadwell Estates. And I asked him just how strong the intention was to run at Ascot and also what they were thinking in terms of ground uh, as things stand Tuesday morning.
3: Um, as things stand, Nick, he's due to run. Obviously, we very much want to run the horse. Um, uh, as we were discussing earlier, he he has won on soft ground before, but probably not at this level. Um, certainly, you know the horse is in good form. John's very keen to run him. We're all keen to run the horse. But if it did, if if the heavens open for two days and the ground went heavy, then the chances are he probably won't run. So we've just got to hope that it doesn't get as bad as, as it, it could possibly do. Um,
0: would that Could that inside track thing help you then if it was sort of good to soft softish on that, on that inside? Do you think that would be a, you'd think, mm, okay, yeah, as long as you stay away from extremes of ground, you, your intention is to go?
3: Yeah, exactly. Um, obviously, I've got to confirm this with Shrek Hessa and, and she'll want to speak to John and have everybody put their heads together. But but we, we very much want to run him. So um, you know, if if the weather gods are good to us, then then he'll certainly be there.
0: Angus Gold, there, racing manager to Shadwell, who was in the middle of looking at a horse and only had a minute to spare, but he kindly uh, texted me straight after we recorded that interview, and he just alerted me to the fact that. Hookham, uh, the horse that beat King of Steel in the King George and beat Westover, of course, as well, has retired from racing to stand at Dali in Japan for the 2024 breeding season. So within the same family as Sheikh Mohammed's Dali organization in Japan for Sheikh Ahisa's Hookum, who has retired from racing. Of course, this season has been a great bonus for the brother Tabaid, who was first retired when he won the Coronation Cup the previous season with what was thought to be a career-ending injury, but came back to beat Desert Crown and win the King George at Ascot, beating Westover and King of Steel. So we sincerely hope that he has a flourishing career at stud in Japan. And I'm sure the Japanese will love a brilliantly well-bred horse by See the Stars from the great Shadwell family that is a proven source of class and stamina. Uh, back, however to Moss Dadaf and the John Gosden situation on Saturday. I've also spoken to Nashua's owner, Imad al Sagar. He told me this morning that they still haven't made a decision about whether she runs in the QE2 or the champion stakes, so whether she goes over a mile on the straight course, that can't be moved, of course, or a mile and a quarter on the round course. Again, that decision would be made tomorrow. You fancy that, David Yates, might be somewhat contingent on whether the Gosdens in spiral runs in the Queen Elizabeth II stakes or not, if it is too soft for her, then it all falls together quite nicely. Nashua in the QE2, Mosterdaf on the inner course in the champion stakes.
2: Do you ever shake hands with somebody and while they it, it looks as though they're putting no effort into the handshake, they're actually crushing your hand so that you go away shaking it, feeling as if uh, you've got a couple of broken bones inside it?
0: Uh, yeah, like Pat Healy, the uh, the chairman yes. of Limerick Racecourse and Indeed. renowned and the, photographer. Yes,
2: renowned photographer. I, I always give um, Pat Healy the the touch or the spud because I want to be able to type during the afternoon and and I don't I don't want a, a broken right hand. But the reason I ask you that question is that I, I suspect that John Gosden taking his stick round at the outer course at Ascot will pretend that he's putting no effort. Uh, as he uh, plunges the stick into the racing surface, but in fact is pushing it down for all he's worth uh, to say, hmm, here we go, buddy. It's heavy ground here, no mistake.
0: Yeah, and if you go back through, as I said, through his pronouncements over the last few years on this, you'll build up a pretty good picture of what he thinks of extreme or specialist ground to run a championship meeting. So there you are. That could have a significant impact. In a way, I suspect he probably is praying for a shed load of rain. So they do move it onto the inner course. Could it be that that is a decision that is a championship decider? Anyway, enough of that. Let's talk about some of the other key contenders for the races on Saturday. The Kipco British Champion Stakes has seen King of Steel near or at the head of the market pretty much throughout. And this is a horse whose CV this season reads, Brilliant Derby runner-up to August Roda. Wheeled back very quickly, something to bear in mind for the future, when winning and beating Continuous, by the way, in the Edward Seventh at Ascot then running a stormer for a three-year-old in the King George, getting a well-deserved break before coming back to finish a luckless fourth in the Irish Champion Stakes. So it's been a a steep and sharp learning curve for a very talented and huge, huge horse, whose owner, of course, is Keir Jarabchin, our old friend on this podcast. He's back again. I spoke to him, I think it was five o'clock in the morning this time. It was New York and not Kentucky. And this is what he had to say about King of Steel's preparation
4: we've always targeted Champions Day Breeders' Cup towards the end of this, towards the end of the season and clearly Roger feels he's in great shape um, to go to Champions Day and um, Frankie sat on him the last two weekends and basically has reported that you know he's he's working very very well and he's in good shape so we're all very very excited about it.
0: Well, I made the point on the podcast yesterday that although he's a humongous horse that doesn't always equate to being a slow or b wanting very soft ground from from the picture that you're building up of him now and talking to roger and the various riders who've been on him what what's your view of what he wants
4: honestly i think he is you know he's so diverse you know as good horses are you know when you have a you know a, a great horse, you know the diversity is there. I don't think you know, bottomless ground, um as in when he ran the fraturity as a two year old, I know he was quite a baby and and we threw him in a little bit in the deep end then, but the ground was bottomless, and I think because he's such a big horse, he doesn't want that kind of ground. Obviously, personally speaking, I think he loves that good ground because he's so big and he glides over the top of it. Um, But, you know, when it gets too, too soft, I think he sinks a little bit. And of course, he's got to lift all his weight out of that ground. So, um, probably don't want too soft.
0: But 10 furlongs looks pretty much ideal for him. Are you of the view that he perhaps didn't quite get home in the King George or not?
4: No, I think he, he... you know he got beat by two extremely extremely talented horses in westover and mustafa that both you know have done a much older than him and have had more experience than him and you know and uh, probably he took you know he beat every three-year-old in the race and he clearly that was his first win against augustine as well so i think he did a very you know he ran a very respectable race and a very and he ran a great race on the, in the King George in my opinion he just got beat by two older horses
0: is there any possibility Kia, that he could still go to the Breeders Cup after the after this weekend or not
4: you know he hasn't raced extre- you know a lot this year we have been quite careful about how we've spaced out every single one of his races Roger has done an amazing job with that um most of his races we've given him plenty of time and uh the ones that we felt okay this is not the right one for him uh because he needs a little bit more time to recover um we've we've done that he has been a he's a horse that we really believe in at the age of four and possibly five um we're not planning on hopefully um retiring him anytime soon And so we will space it out. Um, But there's never, you can never say never. I mean, you know, everybody knows I would love to go to the Breeders' Cup and I'd love Frankie to be on him at the Breeders' Cup. And um, I think if if he comes out of the race well, that is something that we can consider.
0: And that would be to go to the, the Classic?
4: I'd look at both. I think, you know, both races this year are quite winnable um, for for any good horse, really. Um, you know, and I think the classic, you have Archangelo, which I really think is probably the best mile and a half in America anyway, at the moment, on dirt. And the only fear for me would be he's never been on dirt. Um, but I would consult with Frankie and, well, actually Roger first and Frankie second and see what they think and after the race and if they feel you know, we should go to the turf or the classic. And if he's ready or if he just needs a break and he goes home um, for a few months and has a holiday and comes back for next season.
0: Now, last time you and I spoke on this podcast, it was about jockeys. It attracted a, an almost absurd amount of interest, to be honest. I mean, no disrespect to you, but people do enjoy listening to you an awful lot. Um, have you thought about a jockey situation yet for 24 or are you just going leave it, to leave it as it is and is it working as you want it?
4: Well, to be honest with you, you know, I've been extremely overwhelmed and thankful at the number of people that have called about riding King of Steel. And, of course, you know, Frankie, he called me and said, you know, he wants to ride and who can say no to Frankie, right? Um, especially being his last year in England and and um, his retirement coming across Europe and England. And I know he's going to be riding in Santa Anita, but... It was something very special and i think you know there's no question that you know he is the perfect rider for him for this race going for the future you know we have a lot of very talented horses and we haven't made any decisions um to be honest you know we have there's an abundance of very talented jockeys and we'll just see how it goes
0: and how's the restocking, Kia? How how big is the string going to be next year? Is it going to be bigger, smaller, comparable, more spread out, more international, less international?
4: I promised that we would go a little bit smaller, but unfortunately, I think we've gone a lot bigger. <laughs> it's, well, it's, there's a surprise. There's a, a surprise. Yeah, um, definitely, we're going to be more international. Um, I'm definitely loving the racing in America as well. And I think, you know, with the prize money across America and Canada uh, as well, there is a uh, lots of great opportunities in both um, sides of the ocean. So I think, you know, for sure, we will be looking at that. We don't really have too many horses at the moment that could easily go to the Middle East um, for those big races uh and so it's something probably that we'll look at stocking up for
0: next year all right here's your option uh on frankie notori jockeys and king of steel not necessarily in that order and i suppose the news line there dave is he's still quite keen to go to the breeders cup if uh, if all goes well on saturday and if he does then to the breeders cup classic so uh you can't you can't say he's not someone who wants to have a go
2: no, I mean, as a as a fan of the sport, that's something I would absolutely love to see. Uh, King of Steel, a horse, of course, who is yet to win a race at the top level, he came home strongly uh, from the back in the Irish Champion Stakes. That, of course, uh, was uh, the cause of the fracture between Keir Drabchen and Kevin Stott, and um, and of course, King of Steel. Hang on, not
0: a, not according to Keir on this program. A few weeks ago, that wasn't the cause of the fracture.
2: Okay, but that well, that's according to me. So, uh, where was I? The King of Steel is an absolute headline horse, isn't he? On Saturday, because there are so many different uh, stories that that will trigger. Obviously, Frankie de Tori run, uh riding at his final Ascot before Royal Ascot 2024 um, would be that, that would be a, a great story if he were to ride uh, the winner of the Champion Stakes. The horse going to America would be another strand and I wonder what Roger Varian might have to say about that incidentally um but this being the the, the horse who, it, perhaps not in Keir Drabchen's, uh mind and I, I remember well that interview he did on the Nick Luck Daily uh Post town. uh but I think most of us think that that was the um the reason that Kevin Stott lost his job and uh, so again there would be a, a there would be perhaps For all that, I suppose, the the once-a-year punters going to Ascot, they would obviously love to see a Dottori flying dismount uh, from King of Steel. I think a few others might just view that with a a little bit more of, um, uh, uh, perhaps, a a slightly bitter taste in the the mouth. I I don't think Kevin Stott did very much wrong uh, as uh, retained jockey to Ammo Racing. And, you know, I, I feel that he perhaps ought to be riding that horse. And I, I think there are plenty that that share that view. But certainly King of Steel, a, a, a pivotal runner at Ascot at the weekend.
0: All right. Well, you remember yesterday we were discussing the victory of Morge in the Queen Elizabeth II at Keeneland. She remains in America where she'll head to the Breeders' Cup and her trainer, Saeed Bin Saruah, is with me now. How's she taking the race, Saeed?
5: Yeah, she's she doing good. I mean, she comes back after the race very well. And uh, the Philly she ran big race. Uh, I mean, it was everybody happy after when she won in Guinness, the classic race in England, and she, she ran second race, and she won a group one also in America. That's a great result for her.
0: Yeah, it was a huge result for her. Huge result for you as well, your 500th um, graded stakes win. What did that mean to you and your team?
5: Yeah, it means a lot. You know, this is... Um, but like, I mean, um, uh, not easy to do this result, but it takes years, you know, like over around 30 years. But th- uh, thank God, I mean, uh, finally, uh, more she done it in a group one, that uh, also make it
0: look good. And now you have the, the decision to make as to whether you, you take her to Santa Anita for the mile or for the Philly and Mare turf over a, a furlong further than the nine furlongs she won over on Saturday night. What's your What's your instinct?
5: Well, I know she needs the, the, the race. I mean, this is what I said before the race. The Philly, when she ran at and she's 90% uh, fit to run. And uh, that's clear to everybody. Then um, she can't go further, but I think uh, I'm going to run her in the, um, the British Cup mile.
0: Yeah, I think given that she's a she's a half sister to Modern Games, a lot of people will think that's the, the right call. Do you do you use pedigree sometimes when you when you're making these tricky decisions? Do do you do you sort of lean back on that sometimes?
5: Yeah, sure. You know, I know that's why if you look at in Excel, as a majority of people, they think she's a sprinter. That's what they thought. We think when she was two year old. But I believe every time she walks, every time she runs, she needs further. But this is when she runs like a killer nine for lungs. That's good distance for her. But I think now we have to drop her in a mile. I think the, 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 the uh, British Cup mile, that's the, the best race going to be for her.
0: So it could be that the British Cup mile has two Godolphin runners as the favourite and the second favourite. One trained by Charlie, one trained by you. It'll be, a, it'll be an interesting match-up.
5: Yeah, it's a very good race, you know, and uh, good to see the Phillies run with the coat. You know, see how she goes go back. so far. She's in good form, and uh, we're looking forward to running the Cup now. And, Saeed, so,
0: what's the travel plan now? Does she stay in Keeneland for a little while, or does she go straight to California?
5: Uh, she stay for a few days, then uh, she will travel to California.
0: And how's her, how's her coat looking for, for this time of year with the lots of different climates that she's had to, had to take on board?
5: Well, she has it well. Really, I mean, in uh, Kidland what was cold, a similar weather when she was in England. But even also um, in uh, Santa Anita, the, the weather is not too hot. It will be fine
0: for her. All right, that was Said bin Saroor. Well done to him with 500 graded stakes winners. Well done also with Morge. who will now take on, it seems, the Godolphin runner Master of the Seas in the Breeders' Cup Mile, which will make for a nice little by play, I think, David. The relative achievements of the Godolphin trainers has, has been an
2: interesting part of the 2023 season hasn't it? We've been used to watching Charlie Appleby cement his position as uh, the golden boy in Sheikh Mohammed's uh, view and Saeed Bin Sarour over the last few seasons has to had to look on from the sidelines in a way. Um, that's changed in 2023. Morge winning the 1,000 guineas from Tahira. Charlie Appleby struggling. Uh, the Derby heroes were retired. The Three-year-olds haven't come up to scratch, and there haven't been too many uh, signs for optimism, perhaps a couple at the weekend at Newmarket. Um, but the two-year-olds haven't promised that much for 2024 either. Um, sadly for for Saeed, uh, Morge did not reappear during the the, the British summer after her win at Newmarket, but she was in really good fettle in America at the weekend and she'll return to the Breeders' Cup, of course, taking on Master of the Seas, trained by Appleby in the Breeders' Cup mile. That'll be something to look forward to. You, you get the impression that whilst publicly uh, Godolphin is, a, is a, a team operation, there's clearly a competition between the two trainers. Why wouldn't there be? Uh, so that'll be an interesting race to watch
0: at Santa Anita in November. Okay, now the Racehorse Owners Awards take place on December the 7th, Thursday, December the 7th. It's a glittering ceremony, aren't all ceremonies glittering, in the Royal Lancaster Hotel. And it's a great celebration, not just of those horses that trip off the tongue, but plenty of those besides who have made a really important contribution to the sport and who've given so much to their owners. All owners are welcome. All those who are not members of the ROA are welcome. Ticket details very shortly. First of all, however, as we unveil the Jumps nominations for this year's awards, I'd like to welcome into the show Andy Clifton. And he's had a number of senior roles within racing Cheltenham Racecourse, Newbury Racecourse, the Racecourse Association. So he's very much seen it from the other standpoint, if you like. He's now taken on the role of Corporate Affairs Director. At the Racehorse Owners Association, and is uh, keen to get out and meet as many uh, owners and those involved in the sport as possible. Uh, Andy, how are you enjoying your role? I know you've only been in it a, a few weeks, having started at the beginning of August.
3: Uh, yeah, it's great fun. Nick, I'm I'm really enjoying sort of getting under the bonnet of of the ROA and, and taking a look at what we do, how we do it, and uh, getting to meet lots of owners and, and, and hopefully having an impact going forward.
0: And I know that's something you're particularly keen on, to get out to the race courses and be a, a, as visible a presence as possible for, for the organisation. Um, when are you sort of really going to kickstart that side of the role?
3: Well, at the moment, I'm, I'm really getting under the bonnet of, of, of what the ROA does. It's a, it's a small team. It's a very professional team. Uh, we've got 6,500 members, so... There are clearly going to be lots of different views about all the, uh, the issues in, in racing politics, and, and particularly the issues that, are, that affect owners of all shapes and sizes. Uh, we've also got owners, sorry, we've also got members who who aren't owners yet. So, um, as I say, all shapes and sizes, from the biggest owner breeders to um, to people who have a small share in a horse or or just want to take advantage of, of getting free entry to about 95 percent of the fixtures so really I'm, I'm in I'm in listening mode as you say I've, I've been in and around the industry for a, for a long time so um, I kind of got a pretty good idea of, of, of uh, how it all runs but um, I want to use my experience uh, to help owners uh, enjoy their experience more and, and, and clearly owners fund the game you know we Uh, without owners there would be no racing Uh, and so i'll do what i can to 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 help owners to enjoy it more to get more out of it and to feel that they're being properly represented across all the industry discussions which of course they are but uh, uh, anything i can do
0: from that perspective i think would be helpful um, ask Andy would be would be my advice uh, from here on in Andy Clifton the Corporate Affairs Director for the ROA I was talking about the awards uh, Andy and I'm just going to spin through the nominations first of all today for the National Hunt Awards which ROA members will be balloted on uh, over the next few weeks and then in a couple of weeks time we're going to be talking about the Flat Awards, so Novice Hurdler first of all Facile Vega, Gaelic Warrior Ampere a Pass, Marine nationale and Stay Away Faye, that's got to be one of the most competitive categories I can think of for a, for a long time, hurdler not so competitive Constitution Hill Honeysuckle Seaduburley State Man though Honeysuckle always gets a lot of votes in these awards. Novice Chaser El Fabiolo Jerry Colomb John Bon Stage Star and the Real Whacker Outstanding Chaser Ahoy Senor Brave Man's Game Eneguemen Helene, Hélène, Galapande Champs, Shishkin Outstanding National Hunt Mare, Echoes in Rain, Honeysuckle Impervious, Lossy Mouth, Love Envoi, Mary's Rock, You Wear It Well, and a Special Achievement Award, A Dream to Share, uh, John Kylie, of course, J.P. McManus, and um, John Gleeson, Korak Rambler for the Ramblers and Lucinda Russell, Dashiell Drasher, a hugely popular horse trained by Jeremy Scott, Delta Work, Hewick. Kitty's Light, Tell Him Listen, and Tonto's Spirit, for the special recognition award, which is always a massively popular one, so it's great to remind ourselves what delights we've got coming up over the next few weeks.
3: Yeah, we've checked through at the weekend, uh, and the, the in inverted commas, the the, the start of the. Uh, the, the winter season, I guess, uh, from a jump racing perspective, it's it's uh, it's an exciting time, and and actually looking back to last season, as always, gets the, the the juices flowing as the 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 big names start to come out in the next few weeks.
0: And when I was reading down that list, there were there any that made you raise your eyebrows and and remember what 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 you'd been missing over the summer?
3: Yeah, I I, I probably shouldn't say this, but um, uh, jump racing is my first love. I've got to, I've got a share in a, in a jump horse and uh, so this is the, the the time of the season that uh, really start getting excited uh, I mean any one of those uh, names that, that you've read out the, the great great memories and and you know even a horse like cider Burley, who's who's getting on a bit but to, to do what he did this season and and you know uh, at, at Cheltenham I think it was 33 to one in the morning he might have gone off 33 to one and, and Beat some far more fancied horses. You, 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 El Fabiola has been brilliant. Obviously, you, you look at Aintree and, and you know Correct Rambler. It's just so much to look
0: forward to. And uh, are we allowed to know um, your own interest, Andy, for for the coming season? And have you got a nice one to look forward to? Uh, yeah, I'm very lucky to have a show in uh, Teddy Blue. Oh, right, like a that's a, that's a that is a nice one.
3: <laughs> yeah, um, so we we managed to win the Sussex Champion Hurdle by a short head, and then finished placed in the in the Swin Turn and the Betfair Hurdle, and, and yeah, we'll we'll be hurdling for the first part of the season, and and, and really looking forward to
0: it uh, looking forward to the awards as well, the seventh of December, and you don't have to be a member of the ROA to attend. You don't have to be invited to a table already to attend. You can buy individual tickets, can't you? There are I mean not walk ups, but you can go online and get a ticket now.
3: Yes. In, in fact, if you go to roa.co.uk slash NLD, £235 for a, for a ticket, which includes uh, drinks reception, three-course meal, awards, some of the finest racing broadcasters uh, there. I think you might even be coming as well, Nick. And, uh, and then dancing afterwards. is a great night. It's a black tie I do in, in the middle of London, Royal Lancaster Hotel. Um, and it's it's always a special night.
0: Andy Clifton there, Director of Corporate Affairs at the ROA. And the Racehorse Owners Awards will take place at the Lancaster Hotel. And that's Thursday, December the 7th. If you want to take advantage of those early bird prices, you don't have to be invited on a table. You can just buy tickets, as many or as few as you want. And if you want to take advantage of the early price, you can do that, roa.co.uk forward slash NLD. Now it is Tuesday, so we go around the Bloodstock world in time on a tradition, and often we have visited the stud farms of Normandy. It's so beautiful, why wouldn't you? And today we can check in with a stud farm that has had huge success both on the flat and as a producer of some of the most popular national hunt horses. This is Ah du Bouff. It has also been the founding of a significant dynasty of agents across the world, more of which in a few moments' time, as I welcome in Edvige Le Metteillet who began the stud farm in 1988 with her late husband, Pierre Charles. Sadly, Pierre Charles died in 2000, since when Edvige has taken up the mantle and developed it and produced some beautiful horses. And she joins me now. Edvige, first of all, just explain to me a little bit about what it's been like for you taking command of the, of the stud these last couple of decades since Pierre Charles passed away.
6: Since my husband's died, it was a little difficult because, first of all, a lot of studs take the reins by the only the, the man, not a lot by the, the ladies, except the good one, of course. And uh, when he died, and uh, I definitely decided to continue the stud because I have no idea to do something else. Uh, it's my passionate to look after the horses and it, sadly for him he was sick during so long time and um, during this time uh, he helped me a lot and i helped him a lot too and it's why i decided to continue i i like to do my job it's very difficult sometimes to to be alone but uh, it's a life and at this time we are a um, renter on the, the the booth during uh, thirty years, and recently I became to to a property property.
0: And, and tell me a little bit about uh, Pierre Charles' background in in the sport and why why he came to be so passionate about it and love it so much.
6: It's amazing because so, first of all he wanted to be a lawyer, and um, her family was absolutely brilliant people. My 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 father-in-law was a very very young people and my brother in you law know, too. And uh, once uh, he decided to, to work in the house business, and my, husband, my father in you law know, was absolutely disappointed by that. And he started to work for Etréon, uh, first of all, um after he went in Ireland for uh, Captain Rogers. And uh, when he came back, he was a blucer agent, and um, he write the book for get uh, for the horse in the uh, for the kids for the the horses and farmers, and uh, he was a blucer agent, and uh, he said the the horse at the Arcana. It was not Arcana this time. It was uh, Agence française for agent and for golf people.
0: Uh, and i suppose most of my listeners will remember his great successes as as the ones with the with the jumpers um uh, davis and particularly uh, edredon bleu um, tell me a little bit about that day at cheltenham in 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 2000 when when edredon bleu won the queen mother champion chase
6: uh, It was a so emotional time for him because he was in a wheelchair and uh, i remember richard Gillespie asked to Charles. Uh, you have an an entretien with the Queen Mother. Champion, uh, Queen Mother has to you. If she want to see you, um, because she want uh, heard, and you explain what is a QPS. And uh, I remember Piacek was very, very, very uh, emotional. He was very shy and very not not shy, but very um, um, emotional time for him because he spoke with the Queen Mum. And uh, we stayed ten minutes with uh, this people, this queen, and he explained exactly uh, queen at uh, uh, QPS what is. um she speaks friendly French too. And um, it was very good. And he died a, not a long time after. But it was for him. It was, I think, the best last time in the horse business. And I remember when he died. Some people thinking the stud will be stopped because I have not uh, the it's not my job, you know. But I try to continue and I continue until I can.
0: And the legacy continues as well um, through your through your children. Um, everybody will be familiar with, with your son Bertrand Bertie Lemertier, who's ha- had a great um, career as a as, as a bloodstock agent. You must be very proud.
6: Yes, of course, it's normal. And for Louis too, because Louis is a blood agent in, in Australia, and I have a lot of very, very good success too. And the last one is Stanislas, he works in different business, and he's uh, happy and has three kids, and we uh, very pleasure for them.
0: Edwige, tell me a little bit about the future for, for Le Bouf as well.
6: I don't know if um, I need to continue again uh, until probably uh, six, seven years. Um, but if I can, if I have the good health, I can continue. But it's very, it's very hard for the whole lady when you are alone to, to look after everything. Because my favorite time is to, uh, to feed the, the morning, uh, every morning very early in the morning. Except the Sundays, my day, and and uh, with that, in order to see each horses one by one, you know, if you don't see your horses every day, it's from my my position. I think if I haven't time to see the horse every day, something wrong uh, in my life because you know, if you you can't speak on a client, you can't speak with your vet if you don't know exactly what's happening. You know, for the horses, okay. you fed the horses every day the same house you know exactly if your horse is a good great form or not if it's uh, if it's happy or not happy uh, you see exactly what's going on you know and after you look after the grounds the staff of course and everything it's a hard job when you're alone
0: I'm sure but it's a job that you've done incredibly well and incredibly effectively jumping and on the on the flat as well you've got four yearlings you're selling this week Edvige two by Dabasim and Flug not many of them left, and, a, and an Almanzor. Who do you have really high hopes for?
6: I'm very lucky because for Adler Flog, Girlings, uh, uh, it's the owner, it's uh, the, the oldest owner in Le Buff, it's Deborah Norton. She's a star with a husband. They, they're American and they live in England. And uh, they, they give me the confidence after Pierre has died and uh, all the time I have the horse for them. And Tina, uh found a good uh, c- cross with game theory and uh, probably at the floor it's a very good uh, opportunity because the, the stallions died uh, uh just a week after you know covered game theory and uh i don't know if my height, but um i think it's a very very nice quote well um some, so sometimes the people don't like the german family on the pedigree on the on the horses, but I think um, my my idea is very, very good horses, very, very good quality and it's quiet and it uh, works well and it's a very, very easy boy.
0: Thank you to Edwige and to all my guests today on the Daily Podcast. David Yates from the Daily Mirror, newsboy, is still with me and he has something for you to enjoy this Tuesday afternoon.
2: We're going to the 3.13 race at Huntingdon and number two great donge and um, this horse had a really good 2022 in the hands of Tom George then lost his form but there was much to like about his return for Robbie Llewellyn uh, at market raisin at the end of last month he's five pounds higher here but he's one off this mark including over course and distance today at Huntingdon so I hope there's a good run in store from number two great donge in the 313 race at Huntingdon.
0: Sorry, Robbie who?
2: Robbie Cruellen.
0: When, when his namesake Carl was riding, that must have caused you a whole load of grief if you had to do the exaggerated Welsh pronunciation every time you spoke about him. Yes, he
2: did a bit. I, I, <laughs> I had a, always had a um, some um, some fisherman's friends in my pocket just to, to lubricate my throat.
0: Uh, what's the most famous Welsh, Welsh rugby team? Um... I was thinking of Newport. Anyway, that's all for today. We'll be be back tomorrow, David. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Bye bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with FitzDares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary.